New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. celebratory now oh look she's wailing away it's christmas it's christmas knock this off here i i i I can't stomach this ladies and gentlemen maybe maybe you want christmas carols on a day like today when we should all be sitting shiva that's right eight days who's gonna bring the hamantashen i'm telling you you're playing music i'm sure tonight I'm positive that Cousin Brucey will devote all four hours of his show to this this unbelievably solemn day. The memories are pouring forth. I'm back in the time machine to the late 60s. And I'm sure Tony Orlando, by the way, whatever happened to Dawn, Tony Orlando will be devoting his two hours and asking the questions. Why, why, why would God do this? Why? And then we're already talking about Frank Sinatra's birthday tomorrow. Joe Piscopo, he's going to be in Hoboken, one square mile, Washington Ave, where everyone's going to be in a drunken raucous like they always are coming out of those skin mills with what, the Santicon or whatever they call that? They're all out there pissed drunk, falling down. Don't they realize what occurred? That a tradition in our life has been destroyed forever. Another iconic figure. Only one of them is left. Could I have the music? Please, Maestro, play me the music. Please. Here we come. Walk down the street. Get the funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. And people say we're monkey around. We're too busy singing. What the hell? What happened to that music there? My God. You hipsters and millennials, you purposefully truncating one of the greatest songs of all time? Why don't you come in with the last train from Clarksville, huh? I can't believe this. What am I doing here? I got to get out of here. I'm surrounded by these hipsters and millennials who have no, absolutely no reverence. Do you realize that in 1967, the Monkees sold more records than the Beatles and the Rolling Stones combined? Do you realize that? More records than the Beatles and the Rolling Stones combined. Oh, really? Can I have a little of that music now? Make me feel, because I have sorus right now. Yes. About time. Pump that volume up. 
That was the greatest band of all time. Outsold the Beatles and the Rolling Stones combined in 1967. In fact, they were the opening act at the Forest Hills Tennis Stadium. And guess who the warm-up was? Jimi Hendrix. And the crowd booed Jimi Hendrix, Purple Haze, off the stage. Why do I say that? Because of the passing of Michael Nesmith. You remember him with the green wool cap on. It's the third monkey to die. There's only one left. That's it. Mickey Dolan's on drums. The rest, gone. 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 Davy Jones, gone. Peter Tork, gone. Now Michael Nesmith, gone. Ladies and gentlemen, let me remind you. Remember that great TV uh, show they had on Saturday, Some Monkeys on NBC? The Nitkumbu Broadcast Company, The Monkeys. It was a group contrived for TV. It was like Spinal Tap, except these musicians could actually play their, their uh, instruments and sing. It was a put-together band in Los Angeles. It didn't have the, uh, como si quoi, the vintage of the Beatles out of Liverpool. And what were the Rolling Stones out of Manchester? I don't know. Do I really? But combined, can you imagine? The Monkees sold more albums in one year than both the Beatles and Rolling Stones combined. And we're not sitting shiver here at WABC. I guarantee you. Six to ten tonight, Cousin Brucey, when he's spinning stacks of wax, the old top 40 will do a tribute to the Monkees and the passing of Michael Nesmith. By the way, Tony Orlando, what the hell ever happened to Dawn? Nobody ever nobody ever answers that question here. In all the time that Tony Orlando has followed Cousin Brucey, nobody ever answers. Whatever happened to Dawn? Anyway, our numbers. 1-800-848-9222. What, Dawn is, is rejoining? On the show tonight. Can't miss it. 10 to 12, right, Tony Orlando, with Dawn. Where the hell has Dawn been? Probably uh, in fear of this pandemic and this lockdown and this new variant, the South African variant, because now Hochul is saying, everyone has got to put masks on, put your depends back on over your face. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Few rules and regulations because I know the previous show, I'm sure, broke all talk radio caller rules and regulations that have been established. They're almost biblical. First off, when you call, yours truly, Curtis Sliwa, do not ask me how I'm doing because I've had better days. But watch, callers will immediately, with that tick, that knee jerk reaction, as if they have Tourette syndrome, how you doing? Then, after I give my numbers out ad nauseum a dozen, two dozen, three dozen times, somebody will call up, the schmuck, the putz that they are. Thank you for taking my call. It's like we're soliciting you for calls. I should be thanking you. Call a protocol, 101. And then, of course, inevitably, there'll be the person to call up. Hey, Curtis, I've been listening to you for years. First time caller, long time listener. Ah, bast. 
I'm really suffering here. The loss of Michael Nesmith of of the Monkees. Three down, one more to go. Only one left, Mickey Dolenz. You don't realize the Monkees outsold the Beatles and the Rolling Stones collectively in 1967. That's momentous. 1-800-848-9222. And after just two years, they broke up. They went in different directions because why? They all thought they were Mr. Big Stuff. Who do you think you are? They all thought they were better as solo artists than as a group. How many times have we seen that before? And then all of a sudden, poof, gone. No longer there. Subjected to listening to reruns in the old songs. Do you know when when the monkeys went to England, there was more excitement over the monkeys going to England in 1967 than the Beatles, who had already been hatched there, and the Rolling Stones, that upon the arrival of the monkeys to glad. Mm. I just don't. I, this, this audience just doesn't seem to understand. That when the monkeys went to the UK for the first time, you know who was there to welcome them on the tarmac? The Beatles. That's right. George Harrison was there. Ringo Starr, although Mickey Dolenz was always a better drummer than Ringo Starr. Paul McCartney and, yes, John Lennon. They were on the tarmac to welcome the monkeys. That was a bigger group than the Beatles in 1967. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Just think about it. And yo, you young Huckleberries, uh, I think you can relate to this. There was a, uh advertisement in Variety magazine, like 1966, trying to come up with the monkeys. They didn't know what the name of the group would be, who the people would be. But it said, must come down for the interview. Now, what, what, what do you think that means, you young huckleberries? Must come down for the interview. This is the 60s. Obviously, everybody knew back then you had to come down for the interview because there was no Zoom. There was no Skype. But there was terminology there that... The burned-out hippies could understand back then. Must come down for the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, if you happen to know what that terminology meant in 1966, please call it 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And you will win a Curtis Lebo booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell. We're so cheap we throw... Nickels around like manhole covers. But I will tell you this. If you get the answer, I will take some of my belly button lint, put it in an envelope, hermetically seal it in scotch tape, and mail it to you COD, cash on delivery, because as Wu-Tang Clan said, cash money rules the world. 36 chambers of being cheap. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Carl. Calling from Yorktown. I'm suffering today. I'm sitting shiver here, Carl. Uh, welcome to WABC. Yeah, well, you're welcome back to WABC. We missed you. Well, I do have a disagreement with you. The monkeys, one of the monkeys went to Vanity Fair and said they were outselling the Beatles and the Stones, and they weren't. It was debunked. 
As a matter of fact, in 67, a bigger group than them called Herman's Hermits had three number, had three songs in the top 10 at the same time on WABC. Carl, are you trying to ruin my day even more? Really? Really? You mean, I'm, I, I, I'm suffering here. I'm a Monkees fan. I'm suffering the loss of the third monkey now, Michael Naismith, the only one remaining, Mickey Dolenz, and you have to act like a Weissenheim. Oh, that's not true, according to Vanity Fair. Oh, you read Vanity Fair? You like Vanity Fair when they put perfume in those pages? Uh, that sweet water, that toilet water, does that really turn you on, Carl? No, I heard it right on WABC. Oh, you heard it on WABC? You didn't read it in Vanity Fair, correct? Quoted them. Oh, so it's third hand you're giving us this information. Get rid of Carl right now. You're ruining my day. My day's already been ruined. Oh, I heard it on WABC. Well, who who do you think he would have heard it from, right? What, Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg? They don't even know who the monkeys are. Let's go to Pamela in Central Jersey. I'm suffering here, Pamela. Please throw me your lifeline. Uh, so am I. And uh, uh, Carl, shame on you, because they were big. They were really, really big. I had their record. That's right. Shame my- on you, Carl. Shame on you for spreading that misinformation and <laughs> disinformation and quoting Vanity Fair, the perfumed magazine. And Michael Nesmith was just coming to terms with being a member because he was embarrassed. You know how that goes? You know, they're always like embarrassed. And he stayed away from the monkeys forever. And he just started to go on tour with Mickey, and he passed away. And he was the son of the liquid paper queen. She invented liquid paper. Yes, yes, yes. You're reviving my memories. And he was from Texas, and he wore that stupid green wool cap on his head. He wore that because he used to ride a motorcycle to work to keep his hair in place. (laughs) (laughs) Why, because he had a bad rug on his head? Well, I, you know, there's no uh, motorcycle helmet law in California, so I guess it, he was chilly. Yeah, that's why the uh, screwballs out there, you know, the, the, the medulla cerebellum hits the asphalt, you know, they get up. But anyway, I want to remind all of our listeners that Michael Nesmith was different than the other three uh, monkeys. He didn't want to be thought of as somebody who just made bubblegum music or was Bano or insipid. So what he did was he actually invited onto the set, it's in one of the episodes, the mothers of invention, Frank Zappa, and switched roles. So Frank Zappa puts on his green wool cap and pretends to be Michael Nesmith, and Michael Nesmith pretends to be Frank Zappa of 2000 Hotels. Uh Yeah, I saw a picture of that online. You see? You see? That's right, Carl. Pamela knows you know nothing in your town, Carl. He calls up to besmirch, besmirch the monkeys at a time. Mickey Dolan was Circus Boy when he was a child. He was in a series, TV series called Circus Boy. See, (laughs) see, you know their resumes. You know how important they were to America during the Cold War crisis with the Soviet Union. How imperative it was for our men and our women in the front lines in support or ready to do battle with Nikita Khrushchev to hear the Beatles. That was an inspiration to them to understand that they were fighting for mom, apple pie, and the flag. 
crowd playing ball in the street, the minute the monkeys or Batman came on, yes. the street w- were clear. And nobody was on the street, unlike today, where everybody's watching something different. That's right. Could I have a little bit of my monkeys, please? You think you could play it right? Oh, hipsters and millennials. You, you, oh, let's go. Let's pump it up. Pump it up. Pump it. Oh, oh. What? What, what is? What? What is wrong with you guys? How can you not even play a monkeys tune the right way? Lucky the MTA didn't uh, run the last train to Clarksville or would never run. You'd have homeless people, emotionally disturbed persons on it. New Jersey Transit, Long Island Railroad. Anyway, let's go to Susan, uh, who's calling from Rhode Island. The Big R.I., your turn to be heard here at WABC, Susan. Hey, Curtis, I just wanted to say, when they came down for the interview, they were coming down. They weren't going downtown. They were coming from being high. It was the 60s. Yes. We all know that. Yes. Those were the code words in the ad that was put in Variety looking for four monkeys. They didn't know what the name of the group would be. They hadn't. Uh, they were just putting it together, almost like Spinal Tap, except these were real musicians, real singers. And the bottom words were, must come down for the interview, which was 66, which meant you are correct, Susan. They can't be high when they come for the interview. Exactly. But they had to get high at some point or else you couldn't have been a monkey. <laughs> exactly. And you couldn't have watched a series unless you were dropping acid, right? Well, yeah, you know, maybe a little milder than that. but right, you know, A little Molly, are... a little ecstasy, you know, modern stuff. But let me ask you, Susan, um, through osmosis, do you live in one socket? Rhode Island. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm much further south, down by uh, Narragansett. Oh, Narragansett. Oh, you're a little uppity there, Narragansett. And are you a Boston Red Sox fan, Susan? No, I'm from the Bronx, and, I, and I'm and i born and raised a Yankee fan. Good, Good. <laughs> I, I forgive you. Hold Susan on the line. We're going to send her a courtesy of a booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell, Susan, because I throw nickels around like manhole covers. It may well be my belly button lint that will be hermetically sealed in an envelope <laughs> with rolls and rolls of scotch tape around it. The only factor is, is that I will send it COD, cash on delivery. You'll have to pay for the delivery, Susan. That's okay. We got it. Okay. All right. Hey, get Susan's information here because we're in simpatico. We understand how important the monkeys were to America, to our fight against the Soviet Union in the Cold War. Unlike Carl in Yorktown, who began the first call and immediately impugned the monkeys, uh, made a reference to Vanity Fair, even though he never read it because there was so much perfume on those pages, it would have gagged you out. And then quoted some third-person anonymous source on WABC as the reason that he had that misinformation, that disinformation. I think he was doing it purposely. 1-800-848-9222. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Oh, 
good high Neath the wings of the bluebird as she sings As I sit shivering here for the passing of now number three of what was the greatest band of all time in the 60s, the Monkees. They outsold collectively the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. That's right, Carl, in your town. Billboard magazine, that's my reference. Ufa to you and Vanity Fair. Uh, by the way, uh, Michael Nesmith, who uh, died, unfortunately, too, too young. They all died too young. Only leaves Mickey Dolenz uh, on the drums. Do you know that Michael Nesmith attended the celebrity-filled recording session for Sgt. Pepper's The Song, A Day in the Life? Do you know who was in that room recording with the Beatles? It was Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, and Michael Nesmith. And who did the Beatles prefer to be with? Michael Nesmith. But, oh, no, revisionism won't allow that story to be told. Because we want to think of the Monkees as a bubblegum band. Why, no, there's no doubt in my mind that Cousin Brucie will be devoting all four hours to his program tonight to the Monkees, which WABC, Spinning Stacks of Wax, used to play prolifically. And then, of course, Tony will be reunited with uh, Dawn tonight for the very first time in maybe two decades. Uh, And uh, they will be doing a retrospective on the Beatles. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Let's go to Tim in Greenwich, Connecticut, the gated, exited community where the select man determines if you can come in or not in his lime green pants and with his uh, little jacket on. Correct him? Oh, absolutely, Curtis. And the streets are paved with gold. (laughs) Hey, listen, I'm going to impugn you a little more. Um, (laughs) Nesmith was the only true musician in the band. The rest of them were wannabes that were in Hollywood trying to pick up any gig they could get. Davy Jones was a loser from England. Dolan's. Wouldn't know a drumstick from a chicken wings drumstick. <laughs> and Peter Tork, if you could get him to put down the pot long enough and, and hand him a guitar, an acoustic guitar, he might bang out a chord or two. But Nesbeth was the only true musician. So you decide to attack what was the greatest band of that time, outselling the Rolling Stones outselling the Beatles. Why were they outselling the Beatles and the Rolling Stones collectively, huh, Tim? If they were a bunch of Nordwells and misfits, because America is a mass market, and there's no end to a bunch of bubblegum pop uh, teeny boppers. I mean that that's the market that everybody shoots for. So, Tim, are you trying to say that the monkeys were banal and insipid? Is that your point, Tim? Oh, man, those two words scratch the surface, Curtis. Barely, that's the tip of the iceberg for the monkeys. <laughs> so hey. let me ask you a question, Tim. Uh, come Easter, 
when all of a sudden only the very elite are permitted down on the green in downtown Greenwich. When you have all your young children come forward and they go on an Easter egg hunt, except the eggs are Fabergé eggs. Is that correct? (laughs) Hey, Curtis, don't change the topic. Let's focus on what you brought up, shall we? Hold on a second. It's my show. You see how people are in Greenwich? They're so elite. They're so full of themselves. They say, oh, I'm of pedigree. Oh, yes. You Look at my bank account. Look at my investments. Look at my yacht. You try to go to a beach over there in Greenwich, and they charge you an arm and a leg. And if you happen to be from outside of Greenwich, please turn around on the New England Thruway and go the other way. They won't let you into their gated, exited community. The select man with his lime green slacks. And it's a little logo, you know, it's a little logo on his jacket will turn you away. Uh, Ned Lamont is is an unbelievable, he's a liberal. Uh, Well, he's not, he's the, um, what do you call it? I don't want to hear any more of your Greenwich crap. That's it. He's persona non grata. God, I'm telling you, this is serious stuff. And he makes it into a light-hearted discussion from Greenwich. Of course, he's probably studying his Scott, his stock portfolios now. Going, inflation is eating away at it. Oh God! Let's go to Carroll in New Jersey and bring some sensibility back to this discussion. And what was the greatest musical group of my lifetime growing up in the '60s? The Monkees. Yes, Carol. I love their program. I thought it was fantastic. I was a little kid, of course, when they were on. But um, Mike Nesmith was extremely intelligent, and you could tell that just from his demeanor and his attitude and, and everything. But I thought I liked Davy Jones' voice. I liked Nick. I loved Mickey Dolan, and Peter Tork did okay. I thought. Now, you notice a previous caller from Greenwich impugned Peter Talk by calling him a dopehead. Do you know? Yeah, I know. Do you know that in one of those episodes of the two years that they had the show every Saturday on NBC, that it was Peter Talk who decided to push the limitations of censorship? And he said the word hell. And do you know that the network censors bleeped him? All he said was hell, H-E-L-L. Yeah. He was brave. He was fighting for the First Amendment free speech that all of our Americans take for granted. He put his entire career on the line for free speech, and he will never be recognized for that. No. And I thought he was very funny, too. Not only that, you know, George Carlin was inspired by Peter Tork. Do you know that after that, after Peter Tork took on the network, took on the network censors over the use of the word hell that they had bleeped from him, George Carlin was inspired to create that stand-up about the seven words that we are not able to say according to the FCC. Peter Tork inspired George Carlin. Did you know that, Carol? Um, No, really, I didn't. To be honest with you, but I'm not surprised. Well, look, look, Carol, you you learn things when you listen to Curtis Lewa. That's for sure. You know, we we uh, oh January sixth, not 
Oh, Joe Biden sucks. Nah, we, you hear enough of that every day, right? Every day. These are some of the more important issues that affected us, our growth period, the fabric of how we grew up. It built us into the dysfunctional, I mean, the functional generation that we became as boomers. That then went about creating a dysfunctional generation of hipsters and millennials who have no idea what I'm talking about. No idea. Let's go to Kathleen in Westchester. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kathleen. Hey, Curtis. Um, the Meet the Monkeys album was the first album that came into our house. My sister got it as a present for her birthday, and it was played a million, million times. Um, actually, Mike and Mickey were just recently touring. Within the past month, I remember seeing something about it. And I also wanted to tell you that I understand that Mike Nesmith's mother was involved in the creation of Whiteout. Yes. The greatest invention of our lifetime. I can't tell you how many times I was able to purloin my report card before it got to my mother and father at home and use the whiteout on my marks and very delicately turn what was a D into a B. You could, <laughs> that's right. Whiteout was the salvation of so many young men and young women who didn't want their, their parents to end up seeing the truth of how badly they were doing in school. You could actually manipulate your letter grades, your number grades with Whiteout. Maybe one of the greatest inventions of all time. <laughs> By the way, Kathleen, uh, were you a monkey's groupie? I understood they had quite a few groupies there. I'll be honest, I did go to a Monkees concert uh, when they revived uh, about 20 years ago. My friend's son wanted to go, so I took him to Rockland Community College to see the Monkees in person. By the way, Kathleen, you did not get wild and frivolous and take your panties and throw them up on the stage towards either Mickey or Michael at that moment? No, I have to confess, I did not. Good. Good. You showed control. You were a real boomer. (laughs) <laughs> thank you, thank you, Kathleen. Oh, those were the days. Those were the days. Let's go to Gina in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard. This is this is hard for me. I'm sitting shiver for the passing of the third monkey now, Michael Nesmith. Your turn to be heard, Gina. Hi, Curtis. I just wanted to tell you that Michael Nesmith wrote the hit song of Linda Ronstadt, Different Drum. He was so talented. And the rest of the monkeys were all kind of cute. Oh, kind of cute. Uh, who is the cutest monkey of all, Gina? 54 was a good year for people, Curtis. So when you were 12, I was 12 too. So I have all the same memories. By the way, let me tell you a little story about Linda Ronstadt. When uh, Jerry Brown was governor of California the first time, because, you know, he flipped the script and he became governor again, showing that Californians are masochists. So mean boom, Jerry Brown, there were rumors that he might have been a homosexual. So who was his eye candy on his arm? Linda Ronstadt. Yeah, yeah, they went everywhere again. It was sort of the... Modern-day version at that point of what Ed Koch had done with the former Miss America, uh, the eye of every Bubba and Zeta. Uh, 
you remember you remember what I'm talking about, right? Beth Myers, Beth Myerson. Yep. That was Linda Ronstadt's role with Moonbeam Jerry Brown. Except when I went to Tucson to organize the Guardian Angels in Arizona, who was the police commissioner there? Linda Ronstadt's brother, who I fornicated me and mad dogged me out of Tucson, threatening to arrest me. I said, well, go ahead. Well, well, back then, I was at, what, 58 arrests, 59 arrests? I hate Linda Ronstadt because of that. I really despise her. I loathe her because of what her brother did to me. It's nepotism in the, of the worst type. Nepotism. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And I must tell you of another situation earlier today. I spent time in Linden. God, Linden. Why would anybody live in Linden? We transport all our garbage from New York City over to Linden, and then they put it on on railway cars that they take out to Western Pennsylvania or West Virginia. Then you have the incinerator there in Linden that burns all the chemical waste. And people actually live in Linden, New Jersey. So I went to Linden, New Jersey off Route 1 and 9, Elizabeth and Newark. Newark, my favorite city. And you know who I was battling earlier today in Linden, Elizabeth, and Newark? It wasn't the Uzi toting, dope-sucking, psychopathic killing machines. It wasn't Bloods or Crips. It was Canada Goose, a.k.a. Canadian Geese. They were everywhere. God, they were everywhere. You know, with their black heads and necks, what are those, white cheeks, white under the chin, the brown body. I thought they were native to the Arctic, you know, up there, uh, what, what do they call that, the Northwest Territories of Canada, Hudson Bay, you know, where you see Dudley Do-Right and the RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. What the hell are they doing in our country? They've invaded our country, these Canada goose, these Canadian geese, and all they do is poop. Poop, poop. So I ended up slipping on my ass, trying to chase these Canadian geese out of there. They're quacking at me. They're quacking. The moment all of a sudden I'm I'm going up to them, they're hissing at me, hissing at me. Another person comes up to me, Curtis, don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. I just fell on my ass on the Canadian goose poop. And then a cop rolls up. A cop! Not chasing criminals, oh no. A cop from Essex County. And he tells me, uh, Curtis, you need to know when you cross over the Hudson River to New Jersey, uh, there are certain specifications that you are bound by. There are federal laws that protect Canadian geese. It is illegal to harm geese, harass, or scare away this protected species. And then he said, you know, if you're nice to a Canada goose, you might get a goose kiss. Say, look, you mentioned goosing to me and I get all the wrong ideas, please. Officer Dudley Do-Right here, wannabe here, Officer Joe Bolton, you're telling me that these Canadian geese have rights? That I can't harass them, I can't chase them, I can't tell them, go back to your country, go to Trudeau Jr., 
None of you seem to be at all concerned with this. They've invaded. Oh, you want to talk about south of the border. Everybody coming in from Mexico, Central America, Haiti, Africa, everywhere around. But nobody, nobody focuses on all the Canadian geese who are invading our country each and every day. They are invaders. The next thing you know, they'll be able to vote. If they get a green card, they could come to New York City and vote. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. What a great vibe. Pump that up. Pump that volume up. Monkeys outsold in the late 60s, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones collectively. If you added all the sales of the Beatles to all the sales of the Rolling Stones, unlike what Carl in Yorktown said, oh, based on what I had heard third person from Vanity Fair, all perfumed up. Oh, yeah, this is all groovy. This is this was groovy. I am hoping that Cousin Brucey has a retrospective tonight on the monkeys with the passing of Michael Nesmith. That's the third monkey to pass into the hair after leaving only, only the drummer himself. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. But she sure looks different than the way she before. This is not bubblegum. No bubblegum music. It's not Bano. It's not insipid. Oh, yeah. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. Those were the memories. 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Rob calling from Bergenfield, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rob. Curtis, thanks for doing this tribute. They really have left their mark. And I got to tell you this. I met Peter Tork at a club in New Jersey oh. called Mexicali Blues oh. on Cedar Lane in Teaneck. Oh. He was touring with the band called Blue Suede Shoes. So I brought down all my uh, Monkees albums and he signed them all. Oh, and he didn't ask you for any money, right? No, no. He was like you said, he's a hippie, throwback hippie, totally laid back, excellent guy, had a great time there. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the place. It was called Mexicali Blues. They moved it since. But the guy was a total goof. I'm telling you. And and get this, Mike even said that um, Peter was a better guitarist than him when he joined the band because Mike was, like you said, country-influenced. He was a Texas guy. So Mike really got into music from uh, watching a guy named uh, Hoyt Axton, a guitarist in Texas. And uh, he went to a gig one night, and he was influenced by him and won him over, and he picked up the guitar, and fate has it. Look what happened to him. I remember, Rob. In one of the episodes, because you didn't want to miss him every Saturday, the Monkees, live on NBC. Guess who came on? Liberace playing the piano. You remember that famous interview with Edward R. Murrow interviewing uh, Liberace, where Liberace said, oh, I'll have to introduce you to my girlfriend sometime. What a kakaround. There was no girlfriend. Nobody could replace mommy. He was from Milwaukee, 
But at the time, the guy was like the biggest variety show star on TV, tinkling the iries and dressed like he had just been attacked by a flea market. So Liberace comes on with Michael Nesmith, and this is on The Monkey Show, and takes a guitar and attacks the piano. Kabong! <sighs> so good. So good. one 800 Can you feel my pain as I sit shiver here? one 800 The end of another era. Let's go to Maria's calling from Ozone Park. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Maria. Hi, how are you? I'm so excited to talk to you. Hold on a second. Oh, God, this always happens. I got to take you, Maria, and so many other of our listeners who decide to call 1% of the 100% who listen, uh, ever, ever call, uh, re-education camp on the rules and regulations for calling Maria. Never, never, never ask how you doing, because you know what I'm going to say? I've had better days. You got it? You got it? Kabish. Kabish Maria. Hi, are you there? I'm here, Kabish. Oh, okay. Oh, I wanted to just say hi. You came from Ozone Park. You lived next door to my husband at 8644. You were in the house next door. That's true. I was on 88th and Boyd there. Yes. Now, wait a second. You hesitated there. Yes, it's okay. And you played sick ball, uh, sick ball around the corner. We used to come to watch you. That's right, but you, you you haven't hesitated ever so slowly. You said your husband lived at what address? 8644, right next to where you lived. And then I said, Avenue. I lived at 88th and Boyd. You said 103rd Avenue. You hesitated there because maybe that's not where I lived, Maria. Maybe your husband was telling you a tall tale. Tale? No, 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 no. <laughs> Oh, yeah. The Gomelia house. They well, were Gomelia. That I, was their I, I, name. Uh, Marie, did, you, did, did your husband always tell you the truth? Be honest. Did, did he tell you the truth all the time? Come on. You got You probably caught him a few times, right, Maria? Yes. I just wanted to say I'm so happy you like kitties, that you like cats. Absolutely. Oh, and the most famous of our 17 rescue cats now is Gizmo. Gizmo, who gets interviewed from around the world. They don't even bother. Hey, you're not running for mayor anymore. You're a person of no consequence. We want to do a spread on Gizmo, the kitten who had come with me to the voting booth on Election Day, November 2nd. It was turned away, was not permitted to cast a vote for me. Gizmo now has her own Facebook page. She's more popular than me. And by the way, uh, when I return tomorrow, I'm on with, uh, oh, God, talk about being a masochist. Uh, I'm on with, uh, what's his name, Han? What's his first name there? What's, what's his name? I, I, I drew a blank on him. Anyway, I'm on with Han, 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 Han from three to five, left versus right. Uh, then I try to recover from that two-hour uh, two uh, extravaganza. And I come back from eight to one. And from 12 midnight to one is the most Actually, it is the most popular hour on WABC now. I'm joined by my wife, Nancy, the animal welfare rights uh, gal, and she answers all of your questions on animal issues, whether it's about dogs or cats or horses or cows or deer or doe or whatever it is. Or maybe it'll be about goose. You know what a male goose is? A gander. 
You know what a female goose? I loathe, I hate, I despise Canada goose. The way they quack at you, they hiss at you, like they own the place. Go back to Canada where you belong. You think that Immigration and Naturalization Service and ICE could round them up and deport them? Our numbers, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Ralph calling from Garden City. Your turn to be heard here on WABC. Ralphie. All right. So good to hear your voice. And I got to tell you, I miss you in that slot where Juliet, you and Juliet Papa did. I thought you guys were great. Because you didn't have an agenda, you reported the news, and that's what's missing today in news, real journalism. Anyway, I'm a big Monkees fan, and I wanted to ask you if uh, I once heard that Mike Nesmith created MTV, Mike TV. Is that true? Thank hmm. Interesting. So... Uh, he associates me with Julia Papa of WINS. <laughs> so you know this guy is like half in the bag. He associates me with being a journalist. Hell no, I'm no journalist. I slant all of my news. See, I'm the only honest one in the business because everybody, oh, no, we're fair and straight. Uh, we're truthful. No, no, everybody has their own slant. I just have more of a slant on my news than most people have. So this guy, Ralph, is a fan of the monkeys. He's asking me a question. He thinks he heard me here at WABC with Julia Papa of WINS, a true journalist, and then declares, I like that show because it was like real journalists. Well, you couldn't have been talking about me, pal, because you don't want to disparage journalists by referring to me as a journalist. Ugh. I don't know, man. Let's go to Bill in Whitestone. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Billy. Hi, Curtis. How you doing? Oh, uh, uh, hold on. You could you could put Bill back up. Bill, you sorry? Back in the day, I was a big Mickey Dolan's fan. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on. You said you're sorry, right? Yeah, I didn't mean to. Oh, you didn't mean to. But you did it anyway. You asked me, how am I doing? Now, why should I believe you didn't mean to do that? <laughs> I didn't. I swear I didn't. Well, oh, what are you uh, swearing on? Now, do you have a Torah there, a Bible, a Koran? What are you swearing on right now, Bill? Right now, my cat. She's looking right at me. Okay. Like, well, that that's good enough. Up. So it was just a natural <laughs> tick. It's just something yeah, that callers right. do. How you doing? Exactly. And and notice, Bill, whenever you ask that question of other talk show hosts or hostesses, they all say, oh, I've had a great day, even though right before they stormed into the studio, they were cursing, <laughs> they were hollering, they were on the verge of having a divorce, uh, their business was going south, they were declaring bankruptcy, then all of a sudden you get on first caller, how you doing? Oh, it's never been better. <laughs> what baloney benders these people are. Well, go ahead, Bill. I interrupted with your diatribe. Go, go ahead. No, that's quite all right, man. You got the Curtis, you're a breath of fresh air. I love you on the oh, radio. Oh, there we go again. Hold on. Put Bill down. You're a breath of fresh air. If I have to hear that hackneyed, ex- there is no fresh air in New York City. So this Gavone is in Whitestone, right? No fresh air in Whitestone or Bayside or College Point. 
and over, you're a breath of fresh air. How can you be a breath of fresh air in New York City? It's polluted. But go ahead, Bill. Uh, I digress here. I digress. Go ahead, Bill. You're too good to be the mayor. That that job is too what? good. What? I'm too, I'm too good to be the mayor. I should be the mayor. Don't try to placate me and patronize me, Bill. Uh, yeah, yeah, like rubbing salt into the wound there. I'm too good to be mayor. You do more good the way you are. You, your wife, Nancy, with the cats, with everything, the homeless people. Curtis, I've been watching you my whole life. I'm around your age, a little bit younger, man. You're a hero. You're a true hero. Yeah, well, hero, go ahead. Why don't you order some gabagool on that? Yeah, he goes to the local deli there in Whitestone. Hey, hey a little liverwurst and gabagool. See how he was trying to stroke me? Doesn't work with me. Other hosts and hostesses, oh, uh, oh, it's so wonderful. You're right. I'm the best, not like the rest. Yeah, I know what you're up to, you callers. You figure you patronize me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You stroke me, you pull my chain, and I let you talk longer, right? Let's go to Harrison out there in Five Towns. You lit. Your turn to be heard here in WABC, Harrison. Hey, Curtis, you should have been mayor, but I wanted to say that I saw the three of them, Davey, Mickey, and Peter, in Brooklyn about 10 years ago when Marty Markowitz used to do those free concerts over there in the park, and they were amazing. Luna Park, that's right, right on the cusp of Brighton Beach in Coney Island. Yes, and then they moved it up to the parking lot next to MCI Park because the Shuhu used to complain that the concerts were disturbing their services. Yeah, that, and then also the old Altacockers there, you know, going to sleep after the Bluebird special. You know, they, they go yeah. to sleep at like 5 o'clock at night. To them, that's late. Exactly. But I just wanted to let you know that I saw them, and it is a very sad day, but they were amazing. Now, still have- Harrison, are you sitting shiver with me? Are we ready to pass the hamantashen over the loss of the third monkey, Michael Nesmith? Yes, I am sitting with you, and let's pass those hamantashen around. Yes, yes. You see, you see, Harrison feels my pain. I feel Harrison's pain. I feel the pain. Meantime, those Canada Goose, man, I'd love, I'd love to kick them right in their backside, right, so they could feel some pain. Except they hiss at you, they hiss at you, and then they they start running towards you, and then they leave a line of poop. So when you chase them, you slip and fall, fall on your tulkis, your dupa. You have sacroiliac. You can't even get any insurance for that because they're foreigners. I want President Joe Biden to denounce Canada goose or what they call Canadian geese. I want a denunciation of Canada goose, a.k.a. Canadian geese. And now we have some real chadrules out there who say, oh, I have a Canada goose jacket. Is that what you're talking about? Not. Talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. 
that the best you could do? I mean, it's like the same old, same old. I might as well be Muzak. Why even bother doing talk radio? You know, between like Tom Turkey Day, once you uh, you get the wishbone from the turkey and you realize you're a loser another year, uh, just don't don't do any talk radio until uh, you know after Christmas. Just play Christmas music as if it's Muzak. But anyway, I was listening earlier today to Bo Snurdly. As I listen as often as I can to other talk show hosts and hostesses. And it seems to be another thing that they all do. The thing that they all do is... Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Very good. You can tell them bye-bye. Bye-bye. Very nicely. Bye-bye. We're moving on. Different subjects. Yeah, I know they want to talk about the same thing. I know they love... They love the monkeys, and I'm sitting shiva, I know, but we got to move on. We don't want to beat this subject to death like happens on some talk show hosts and hostesses. They beat it to death. They go on for four hours. We're not. But there is some inconsistency I have to point out. And it's not unique just to Bull Snurdly. Does a very good show. But he signs off and he says the same thing all the time. Can I can I hear the Bo Snurdly sign-off, please? Go ahead. All right, folks, holidays are right upon us. Enjoy winter wonderland in New York. We are in the winter season. We are in New York City, greatest city in the world. America, the greatest nation humanity has ever, ever witnessed. Now... Bo must have spent like half the program talking about how bad New York City is, and he's absolutely correct. So how can we be the greatest city in the world? I listen to as much of WABC as I can, and I hope you can, and whatever you can here live and local, you should check out on the podcast. You go to WABCradio.com, and you'll find a new podcast, one that I do with my son, Anthony, whose birthday it is today. He's 18. And remember, he wants a brand new Dodge Charger. And I told him, knock yourself out, kid. Go get yourself a newspaper route, huh? A brand new Dodge Charger. Well, anyway, uh, we did our second episode of our podcast series. And Anthony's like a a Sovietologist, a Russian expert. And we were kicking it about Vladimir Putin and Biden, Vladimir Putin and Trump, Vladimir Putin and uh, Obama. And the history of the Soviet Union, starting with Vladimir Lenin into Joe Stalin, Nikita Khrushchev. Uh, I was quite amazed at the volume of information that my son was sharing with all of you. You go to the podcast. Now, he is insisting to management and our owner, John Katsimatidis, uh, that the name be uh, Father and Son featuring Anthony and Curtis. And apparently he may win out on this. But you go for all your podcasts of all your favorite talk show hosts and hostesses here at WABC. If you can't hear it live and local, you can hear it on our podcast at WABCradio.com. That's WABCradio.com. So I ask all of you the question is, do you really think that New York City is the greatest city in the world? We spend like most of our program day, the panoply of talk show hosts, talking about all the problems, potholes, 
construction, homeless, emotionally disturbed, crime, corruption, inefficiency, incompetency, taxes, the exodus, people with for sale signs in all five boroughs. They can't wait to get out of New York City and head south of the border, south of the Mason-Dixon line, where they still fly the stars and bars, the flag of treason, the Johnny Reb flag, to Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Texas, Florida, and parts unknown. So if we were the greatest city, why why are so many people fleeing, complaining, and talking about leaving? I ask you all of that. Maybe we should stop referring to New York City as the greatest city in the world if we, in our own words, don't suggest that. But I don't know. Maybe it's uh, because of a, a memory muscle. We feel almost obliged to say that. Why say it if it's no longer true? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then we got to talk about all the Christmas trees. Ah, they're being sold everywhere. My God, those prices are jacked up. And everywhere I go and I look at Christmas trees, whether it's a tabletop tree, they sell them for like a hundred bucks. You need an electron microscope to see these Christmas trees. You put a little red dye on them, a hundred bucks. And if they're the standard size, you're talking three hundred or more dollars. And, you know, it looks like they come out of these little trailers, these little RVs that they stay in 24 hours a day in order to sell the trees, in order to get them unloaded by the time Christmas Day comes. And they all claim, oh, I'm from North Carolina. I'm from North Carolina. And then there's been a study that says if you put up your decorations early on the tree, you're going to feel better. It's more joyous. It brings you uh, more nachos. And I say to myself, well, what, what, what kind of tree? I mean, for, for some of you out there, I'm looking at the prices out there. The Fraser fir, the Douglas fir, the blue spruce, the white pine. I guess the number one uh, choice of white nationalists, neo-Nazis, and one percenters. The scotch pine, they say it lasts longer with a little St. Joseph baby aspirin in the bowl that you put it in. But you buy the last minute, don't buy till you see the whites of their eyes, like in Bunker Hill. What are they talking about? And what's better for the greenhouse effect? The artificial trees, the natural trees. Apparently, most people now have artificial trees. 75% of the population, only 25% of the population goes out and gets a natural tree. They're telling me it tells, takes seven years to grow a tree, a normal tree. And I don't know, I... I it's got me spinning as if I have vertical, the prices of these Christmas trees. Anyway, one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. I know last week they had the uh, Christmas Christmas lighting in Howard Beach. <laughs> I wasn't invited. Seemed like they were all adults. And then in nearby Hamilton Beach the least known beach of the three there. You have New Howard Beach, Old Howard Beach, and then Hamilton Beach right along the uh, uh, A-train tracks. They had mostly kids there. Why? Because they don't believe in birth control. I wasn't invited there. But maybe some of you were at your Christmas tree lightings and the decorative uh, uh, displays that have taken place, and many people arguing that, hey, you know, if you uh, desecrate, if you vandalize a Christmas tree like was done at Fox News Channel Studios, outside of Fox News Channel Studios, it is a hate crime. 
it's a symbol of Christianity. I don't see it as a symbol of Christianity. Do, can anybody explain to me how it is a symbol of Christianity, if you know the history of the Christmas trees? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to David all the way calling from Cali, Cali, Los Angeles. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, David. Curtis, Bo Snerdley, he needs to say New York used to be the greatest city in the world. And to everybody that says, well, don't worry, New York always bounces back. Look what happened after 9-11. Well, after 9-11, everybody didn't vacate, businesses didn't close, and it didn't become so unsafe people are scared to walk outside. And I'm here to say it's going to take decades for it to come back, if it comes back, because it's still going in the wrong direction. The L.A. Council just voted to let 800,000 non-documented people vote, which is going to wreak havoc into the city. Very interesting observation from Los Angeles uh, itself, which is sliding into the abyss known as the Pacific. What a hot mess your city has become. And everybody always says, well, don't worry, it's going to get better. The city council just passed this and that to attack homelessness. But here's the thing. If these people are the ones that got us into this mess, how do you expect them to get us out of it? And I'll go one step further. The left-wing Democrats of L.A. and New York are here to purposefully take these cities down and turn them over to the criminals. And that's what's happening. But everybody's so optimistic. Oh, be kind. Have empathy. Oh, don't say anything. And, and it just continues. You are so correct, David. With a West Coast perspective, as people um, are exiting uh, Los Angeles in great numbers and turning nearby states uh, purple and then blue, uh, that's the fear that many people have, the exodus that's taking place from California, like the exodus from New York. Uh, all the states that New Yorkers migrate to, the fear is they'll become purple and then blue, and many do. one 800 I'd like to hear one person out there actually tell us that we are the greatest city in the world. I don't see it. I'm walking around this city every day. I'm taking a subway every day. I, where's the greatness in this city now? Let's go to Michael in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Hi, Curtis. Uh, it's an honor to speak to you, Curtis. And I want to give you an example of a typical New York. I've lived in New York all my life, Curtis, and I'm 80 years old. So I can speak from personal experience. I'll give you an example of a typical New Yorker. When you were running for mayor, I told I stopped some people on the street and spoke to them here in the Lower East Side on Grand Street. And I said, this man, Curtis, he's a real humanitarian. He has 17 cats in his apartment. And you know what they said to me, Curtis? They said, oh, he's a Meshuggah. I'm not going to vote for him. <laughs> what kind of New Yorkers? That's, the, that's, that's a New York response. Wait a second, Michael. Just say, hey, put Michael on pause. But, Michael, they were telling the truth. I am Meshuggah. I am Ubats, I am Utiched. In order to be successful on talk radio, and I think uh, if there's any field I've achieved success in, it's talk radio. I've been at it uh, for close to uh, almost 31 years, about 26 of them here at WABC, which at times has stood for always, always broadcasting, Curtis. You got to be half out of your mind, Michael. 
to be a talk show host, to be a good talk show host, Michael, you got to be half out of your mind. You have to be really, really ubats. I want to ask you a question. I have one cat in my house, and I think it's a lot of work to take care of one cat. How do you and Nancy take care of 17 cats? Well, there is an answer here, and Michael... uh you got to be listening tomorrow night, 12 midnight, as we go to 1 o'clock in the morning. That has been uh, set aside. When my wife Nancy joins me, it is the hour we discuss animal welfare issues, not just about cats and dogs, uh, but all other kind of animal issues. She is the expert because she does all the heavy lifting. The biggest key to raising so many cats in a 328-square-foot apartment, studio apartment in the Upper West Side is you got to do a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of litter. Three times a day, you got to change the litter boxes. You know, I got in a double hernia. When I do the litter box changes, I wear two jock straps and a cup. I mean, hey, you know, it's uh, disproportionate. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to offer. Is that offer, offer, whatever in Howard, New Jersey? Hey, Curtis, how are you? What's your name? My name is Ofer. Ofer. And what ethnic background yes. does the the name Ofer come from? That's an Israeli name. Ah, okay. And you straighten me out on that. All right. Go for it, Ofer. Uh, talking about New York City, I just moved from New York City to New Jersey. Uh, and I have to say, it, uh, for the past few years, we were thinking about it. I mean, New York changed tremendously under this this uh, mayor. Uh, it's not safe on the street to see homelessness, and the way that they operate is they they acting like a mafia. They're giving you a license, and they're just going after your license and hit you with fines. Yeah, so Ofer, uh, Ofer why do you think people, the preponderance of people, they feel like it's almost an obligation, an obligatory thing that they have to say that New York City is the greatest city in the world, and yet they'll spend 95% of the rest of the time complaining about it? It used to be the, the greatest city in the world. Yeah, but you uh, see, yeah, I, I want people to start analyzing. You say something Enough times you say it over and over, and nobody believes it. Because if you listen to the normal conversations that men and women have on the subways, on the streets, as I do, as you listen to the callers on talk radio and the hosts and hostesses, what positive things are they saying about New York City that would suggest that it is the greatest city in the world? Let's go to Laurel's calling from Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Laura. Hey, how you doing? Oh, hey, Laura. This gives me an opportunity to take a time out. You know, I used to do this with my oldest son, Anthony, who's 18 today. It's his birthday. Time out, Anthony. Go into your room. Spend some time there. Contemplate your belly button. Think about how your belly button got there, kid. I'm going to give you the rules and regulations when you want to call in so that We don't have to go over this over and over again, and then I have to do remedial training all the time or assign you to detention after the talk radio program. When you ask, how you doing? You know what I'm going to say? I've had better days. 
So let's cut to the chase on that. Don't ever say thank you for taking my call because I must have already, just in this period of an hour and 20 minutes, given out our numbers about 2,852 times, soliciting you to call so that if all of a sudden it's your turn to be heard, why is it you're thanking me for taking your call? Do you think I know you? Do you really think I know you? And I'm purposely saying, oh, I know Laura in Pennsylvania. And then the last time, the last thing, please, I don't want to ever hear this again. First time call, a long time listener. No, you're not. You're a cock out out. Let's get back to Laura. You understand the rules and regulations, Laura? Oh, I think you're being a little uh, out of line. Oh, I'm out of line, huh? Tell me why I'm out of line, huh, Laura? I was just going to ask if you recall the movie Escape from New York. Oh, yeah, with Kurt Russell. Okay. That was a great movie. Hint, hint. Is that what people are doing these days? Oh, very cogent of you. Very cogent of you. Yes, it appears to be an escape from New York, Laura. You're so right. And many of them are coming to where you live in Pennsylvania, correct? Right. You know what? Us in Pennsylvania, we're looking to go uh, out west or down south a little bit. Uh, just a point, we've had sirens uh, outside of our studio windows. You probably heard them. That's because New York City is the greatest city in the world, right? Maybe when you grew up or I grew up, it ain't now. So, Laura, why do you think there is this preponderance of talk show hosts, talk show hostesses, People, even after complaining, moaning, and groaning about New York City, they always seem to have to do a hashtag. New York City, the greatest city in the world. Okay. Well, listen, it's good you share the news with everybody. See, even the dog agrees. Uh, she's a whiner. Yeah, well, like, like, like a lot of us, right? She's selling wolf tickets here. So, so far, we don't have one person who thinks that New York City is the greatest city in the world. I realize there are many calls coming through. Our phone screener, who's a dollar short and a day late, give him a chance. You know, he uh, has a general diploma from high school, which meant that he proved that he could inhale and exhale in order to get through high school. But we haven't had one caller. Say that, oh, yeah, without a doubt, New York City, the greatest city in the world. Because you know it's not true. You know it's not true. And you know if you keep saying a lie enough times, people are going to believe it. Well, guess what? This lie nobody believes because all you got to do is listen to WABC or listen to people talk and squawk in the streets and subways. And they give you every reason in the world why New York City is no longer the greatest city in the world. But they end up tagging it on at the end. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. We sit shiver for the passing of the third monkey, Michael Nesmith, with just one more to go, Mickey Dolenz. Again, we started the show by pointing out to all of you, which many have refuted, that the monkeys in 1967 were the top group in the world. 
outselling both the Beatles and the Rolling Stones combined. That's right. Nobody seems to care. Perfect, perfect. So again, uh, we are trying to elicit from you one person who wants to say that New York City is the greatest city in the world because nobody believes it. Nobody, and yet people keep saying it, but they don't believe it. And by the way, before we get to your calls, this is the 77 AM WABC Clip of the Week. Comes from the Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg show that you should be listening to each Monday, Monday through Friday from 6 to 10. And here's Sid talking about kids being vaccinated without their parents' consent. A story surfaced yesterday, it's hard to believe, that the schools out in L.A. are actually vaccinating kids, you ready for this, without their parents' consent. Let me tell you something. If any one of the two schools that, quote-unquote, teaches, my daughter Ava, or my son Gabriel did something like that, I am telling you, I'm going to jail. I'm going, I've been to jail already. It's not horrible. i got to be honest. This time of year, it's warm. I'm going to jail. No one is sticking a needle in my kid's arm without my consent. Nobody. Nobody. Uh, I want you to save that one. I have a feeling that Sid Rosenberg will not be going to jail. Uh, he's speaking with that bravado right now, but push come to shove. You really think Sid Rosenberg wants to do time on Rikers? Not. Anyway, let's go to the phones. Uh, we're trying to find one person out there who thinks that New York City is the greatest city in the world, like almost every talk show host and hostess says here at WABC. Let's go to Marsha in Huntington. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Marsha. Yeah, hi, Curtis. I don't think my opinion is going to be very popular, but I think New York City is an armpit, and I've always felt that way. When I moved, Since I moved here in 1983, whenever I go into the city, I get a massive migraine. <laughs> do you take Excedrin extra strength? I do. I, I bring it with me. Wow. But you're being honest. You're being honest. Being See, honest. Why do you think, though, Marsha, like you'll listen to WABC here, 95% of the people calling, oh, the city sucks, and then they'll say, oh, but it's the greatest city in the world. Why Why do you think they, they tag that on at the end? I think they're afraid to be honest, and they live here, and so people were wondering, why do they stay here then? You know, you must be crazy if you don't think it's great. Well, <laughs> that's that's partfully true. You would think, why are you staying here if it if it is so bad? And yet so many people are preparing or have already left and will continue to live. Because remember, the bottom line is, and we need to, we need to really straighten out this myth, what is in the best interest of people or what's in the best interest of the city? No, it's what's in the best interest of people, that they have a better quality of life, that they can spend more time with their family, with their children, that they can enjoy themselves, that they're not consistently stressed out. A city life will sometimes drive people to do or those who are forced to come into the city in order to actually work a nine to five, spending two hours like sardines coming in, two hours like sardines leaving. That takes its toll. Let's go to Ralph in New Rochelle. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Ralphie. Hey, Curtis. I've uh, worked for the last 28 years down in the Hunts Point Terminal Produce Market. And when you see all the fresh fruits and vegetables every day coming into the city from all over the world, 
you got to realize that part of it, we live in a great city. I mean, there are a lot of issues, but every day there's food on people's tables from the guys that work hard down there and on point. That's all I could say. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, Jay. Ralph, uh, have you visited other cities? You know, they have the equivalents in their cities of what is the Hunts Point fish, meat, and produce market. Are you aware of that? Yes, but we are the largest in the country. They don't have anything anywhere near produce well that's because uh let's face it the truckers love to come to hunts point because before they line line up to unload their tractor trailers you have all the girly girlies that are knocking on their cab doors offering to take them around the world in 60 seconds you do know that ralph that was the uh, I, I, curtis that were the old days that was before uh Mayor giuliani stepped in he cleaned up the joint yeah really that was before the old days <laughs> <laughs> oh, Madonna, my. We're a great city because you can go to Hunts Point and you can see all the fresh produce, the fruits, the vegetables, the fish, and the meats. How many people go to Hunts Point? Would you want to go to Hunts Point? Of course you would. And when do they actually get to see all the fresh fruits and vegetables and fish and meat at like 2 o'clock in the morning when most people are sleeping? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Oh, we finally got one. Joe Giuseppe from Westchester County. Uh, Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joe. Yes. Yes, uh, Curtis, uh, Joe from Larchmont, actually. I thought I'd catch you after your Greenwich riff about an hour ago. But uh, parents from Brooklyn, born in the Bronx, and moved to Westchester when they're in the late 60s with the great exodus. But that being said, why I think your points are well taken and the viewers' points are well taken, uh, the listeners' points are well taken, are the fact that we're New Yorkers, and I know you're a New Yorker, and uh, I dealt with you and your organization in the late 80s over on West 48th Street. I was running a real estate project uh, when they were trying to turn that neighborhood around the first time in the late 1980s, um, 89, 90, around there. But that being said, I think what makes people say why New York is the greatest place to live and be is you're from New York, Curtis. And I traveled around a lot of places, and it sounds like you have too. And there's nothing with the size and scale of New York City. And, yes, it's messed up, and it's uh, a different town than what it was when we were kids growing up and coming through because the adults were running things back in those days, and they told us this is a great city even though it's a mess right now, and we believed them uh, because it was aspirational. And then it did turn around, but we, in the turnaround, they sold out a lot of the guts of the city. They moved the markets. They moved a lot of things around. But there is no place as big as New York in size and scale, and that's what gives you that feeling that this is a great And yet you live in Larchmont. I live in Larchmont. Yes, sir, I do. Why do you live in Larchmont? I live in Larchmont because my family, my two oldest brothers, Curtis, were getting ready to go to high school. And we did a pit stop in Mount Vernon, New York, right on the line. And my oldest brother, in his infinite wisdom, decided to fail the uh, 
entrance exam to Catholic school. Mount St. Michael was right up the street. And uh, they got beat up, on, him and his buddies got beat up on the bus. Uh, in 1968, Martin Luther King was assassinated. And like everybody else, my parents thought, geez, things are changing. We better make a change. And uh, they were two kids from Brooklyn. Benjamin Hurst, Stiker Heights. No, 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 no. I, I, I totally understand that, Joe. But again, the exodus from New York City continues. People moan, groan, complain about it, rightfully so. Most of the complaints are accurate, are true. And yet we always tag it off, hashtag it by saying, well, New York City is the greatest city in the world. I don't see it. Let's go to Eric in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Eric. Hey, Curtis. Um, so I was born and raised here. You know, not, I was born not two blocks from, from well, where I was born. My, my, well, my, my original home. Um, and if you're a real New Yorker, you have to, and you love the city, whatever, great or greatest, you have to admit it's a little less great now, the way it's being run. You know, you, you're, you, you know, guardian angels, listen, if you don't prosecute people for little crimes, they're going to escalate, and then, you know, you let him out pre-bail for serious crimes, you know, it's only, it's only going to go downhill. You know what I'm saying? And as a real New Yorker, I say, if you're not proud of Donald Trump uh, was elected president, then you're not a real New Yorker as far as I'm concerned. So if you (laughs) – I have no idea what the hell Eric just said. I got vertigo. What the hell does Trump have to do with this? But see, somehow you had to insert Donald Trump into it. January 6th, Donald Trump, Joe Biden sucks, right? Can't have a normal discussion about things other than the typical hackneyed political talk day in and day out. It's not what I do. It's not what life is about. Because all it's going to do is just get you angry and aggravated. And you're just going to... You're going to hate yourself and everybody else? Anyway, let's go to the phones uh, to Ernie, who's uh, calling from Westchester. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ernie. Chris. Yes, Ernie. Escape from, New- Escape from New York, Kurt Russell. Yeah. The movie's 40 years old, but I'm 73, and I'll tell you, every time I see it, New York City seems to reflect what's in that movie. A little bit of trivia. What was Kurt Russell's name in that movie? Oh, what was Kurt Russell's Goldie Horn's name in that movie? Uh, I'm straining my brain, Ernie. Nate Plissken. Wow. Ernie? It's a good movie, though. You get the Curtis Sleeper Poopy Prize. Don't ask, don't tell. I'm so cheap. I throw uh, nickels around like manhole covers. Uh, can you hold on to Ernie there? Let's uh, figure out how we get him this booby prize in which we'll put it in an envelope. We will hermetically seal it with uh, tape, scotch tape, and then we will send it to you COD. Cash on delivery. <laughs> Oh, we got somebody who believes it is still the greatest. Is that is that true, Vincenz in Brooklyn? Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Vincenz. Yes, sir, Curtis. Yes, sir. I think it's great, Curtis, because no matter how bad it gets, we still believe it's great. 
We still keep on. Hold on, hold on. Stop for one second, Vinny. No matter how bad it gets, we still believe it's great. That would suggest you're delusional, right? No, no. Thinking positive when things are going awful is the greatest thing in the universe. Thinking positive is to bring it towards greatness, even while it's going through a lot of transitions. So we have a lot of people in New York who are very strong, positive people. Most people would give in and, and, and hate the place where we stick to it. We are stick to it people. Well, now, Vinny, what part of Brooklyn you live in, Vinny? Bensonhurst. All right. Every time I visit Bensonhurst, I go down the side blocks, four sale signs. How come? How come all the four sale signs, Vinny? Let them come and let them go. Still, we get new and fresh blood here. Let them come and let them go. Things are changing. You sound like Dracula. <laughs> fresh blood, hey, Vincenzo. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we have deluded ourselves. We keep saying the same things. Oh, we're the best, not like the rest. This is the greatest city in the world. I just see mass migration out of here. If people can, they go. If they can't, they stay. But to continue to label ourselves the greatest city in the world, great for what? Maybe in some areas, but overall great? I don't know if you've traveled around the world. Seems a lot of cities uh, have developed things in terms of quality of life for their families and for their workers that New York City has never offered and will never be able to offer. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. We'll continue to take your calls. But to the tune of NYPD Blue, remember my strength, my expertise in broadcasting, uh, in addition to being out in the streets and subways, is that I know where all the bones are buried and who buried them. And Mayor-elect Eric Adams has been saying uh, mostly all the right things. But I got to warn all of you that we are facing very, very perilous times when it comes to uh, his reorganization of the NYPD, the police department. He is on the cusp now of appointing a new police commissioner. And I must tell you, the name that has been bandied about the most is extraordinarily troubling to me. Uh, He's mentioned how... His police commissioner is going to have to be a woman. It's going to have to be African-American. So he's talked specifically about a uh, woman named Outlaw. Can you imagine having a police commissioner with the last name Outlaw, who actually originally went from Portland, Oregon, where she failed in that job, then was transferred over to Philadelphia, where she's failed in that job, where they've had more homicides, over 500 so far this year, Uh, The last time they had that many homicides was back in 1960, and he's thinking of bringing her over from Philadelphia. Then his primary choice, and the woman who probably he will pick early this week, is the former police commissioner of Seattle. Her name is Carmen Best. 
She is best known for having sacrificed the East Precinct, surrendering it. If you remember, during June of 2020, the summer of 2020, when the cops were told to abandon the precinct and give it over to the looters and shooters, Antifa and Black Lives Matter, which they did. There were no cops. There was a protest zone. They surrendered a precinct, which was then called the Chop Zone, the Chaz Zone, a six-block area in East Seattle. Now, the Seattle Police Department only has about 1,500 members. So why would you want to bring in a woman who had left that position there after sacrificing a precinct, surrendering it to the mob, the thugs, Carmen Best, who probably can't get around New York City uh, without a GPS. And even then, she'd have a hard time. So that's mistake number one big time in his reorganization of the police department. Then it's been thought that he wants to appoint a deputy mayor for public safety, and that would be Phil Banks, who is the former chief of department. Uh, He was in charge of all patrols and specialty units, uh, going back before Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, became the mayor, mainly because he had he had bought an insurance policy by telling all of us, the sheep, that he would have on Bill Bratton as his police commissioner if, in fact, he was elected mayor. And a lot of people said, oh, well, at least we know Bill Bratton will take care of the public safety. Anyway, it was Bill de Blasio's wife, Charlene McRae, who didn't want Bill Bratton. Rather, she wanted Philip Banks. Unbeknownst to them, I believe, was the fact that Philip Banks was under investigation in a bribery case involving the NYPD. It turned out he was an unindicted co-conspirator. It was thought that he was money laundering. In fact, when the investigators questioned him, they said, Hey, Phil, how is it you got $300,000 in your bank account you can't account for? And he was hemming and horn and... And usually, if you're an unindicted co-conspirator, it's because you became a confidential informant. Uh, you gave information that was helpful uh, to the Fed's case against the other co-conspirators, and they cut you some slack. That's strike number two. Then apparently, and he's defined this a few times through his surrogates, Eric Adams, the incoming mayor, he wants as chief of the department, which is the highest uniform rank in the NYPD, second only to the police commissioner, Jeffrey Madre, who, uh, wow, I got to tell you, I remember it was, what, 2015 in Ozone Park. He was standing in his part two to park himself with Tabitha Foster, who was a police officer herself at that point, had been his gumata for about seven years. They had a fling. She had a gun aimed at Jeffrey's head. The people uh, in the neighborhood in Ozone Park called 911. Uniformed police officers arrived at the scene. He showed his badge and he said, I got it, I got it, I got it. Never reported it. Never reported it. Eventually it was reported to the police department. And the only thing they they, uh, held him responsible for was that he hadn't informed them. So they removed 45 of his vacation days. 
It's what we call white shirt immunity. It exists for blacks, whites, Hispanics, Asians. You get your white shirt in the police department, you immediately, instantly have white shirt immunity. So let's say that Eric Adams, the incoming mayor, gets his wish and scores his trinity trifecta, his troika of reorganizing the police department by going outside the department, bringing in Carmen Best, the former police commissioner of Seattle who failed in a job there, a police department of 1,500 in a city of 760,000 people, having surrendered a police precinct in the summer of 2020. Why would you bring her in? The last person was brought in from out of town to run the police department. Remember, David Dinkins brought in out of town Lee Brown from Houston. A dismal failure. Philip Banks, where did he get $300,000 in his bank account? Still can't answer that. And Jeffrey Marjorie, what a hot mess. That would not be a good start in realigning, reforming, Resculpting the NYPD. That would be double trouble. Anyway, let's go back to the phones. Uh, Pat, who's calling from New Jersey, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pat. Let's go to Pat there. Excuse me? Yes, Pat. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I went to school in New York City many years ago, and then I worked there. But the only times I've been there recently is go to the Yankees game. But the reason I'm calling, I wanted to know if you're going to be on tonight overnight and if you're going to take over for Frankie Russo. He seems to be gone. And we don't want any more of the Frank Morano's. Re- oh, well, don't worry about it. Frank Morano is the best of Frank Morano tonight. And tomorrow, I don't know, the best of Frank Morano was last night. And then tonight again, uh, starting, I believe, at 12 midnight, uh, it'll be the best of Frank Morano. And then you have me back tomorrow with Chris Hahn. I'm a masochist for those two hours. It's uh, the left versus the right, me versus Chris Hahn. And then I come back uh, from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. And you don't want to miss that 12 midnight hour. I'm joined by my wife, Nancy. Nancy Sleeve, who is the animal rights uh, and welfare activist, and we discuss a panoply of animal issues that seems to be uh, of great interest to so many of our callers and listeners. Anyway, let's go to the phones. Uh, to Anna, who's calling from Hicksville. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Anna. Hey, Curtis. First time for you and me to talk, but I just want to say, you know what? Yeah, New York is definitely going down a tube, and... You, I wish, would have got voted in. I live on Long Island, but unless you change these people in the city, you know, a guy called up and said, maybe having seminars or maybe, I, call, I talked to Craig Kelly, maybe they should have Trump do a rally here again. You know, it's just kind of disappointed because I work in the post office and I was telling the guy on the phone that this guy I work with, he's 62 years old, he's going to be retiring, okay? He thinks Biden's going to go down as the best president. All right, he's white, he's 62, you know, and he's like, uh, he's going to be the best president. And and Fauci, he's like the best scientist. And I'm like, I don't know what it takes to change these people's minds and see what really is there. And we're not doing a very good job of it because the media doesn't really tell you anything except for news, Fox News and, and Newsmax. And this guy Mark at work is totally oblivious. He's like, oh, Fox News. I don't watch Fox News. I only watch the regular now, Anna will continue to talk. What she's saying now has nothing to do with the subject matter. 
She's into her political diatribe about what sources of information she uses. Uh, But I can tell you, uh, both liberals and conservatives are leaving this city. They are part of the exodus. It has nothing to do with politics. It's that there's the diminished quality of life. And yet, as I said in the opening of this hour, with all the complaints that we all give about this city, and that includes liberals, don't exclude them. Why is it almost like a knee-jerk reaction? We hashtag, we live in the greatest city in the world. We don't. How could it be the greatest city in the world if day after day, whether on talk TV, talk radio, or we read in the newspapers, there is complaint after complaint, legitimate complaints, about how tarnished and diminished this city of New York is. So why would you call it the greatest city in the world? Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Doesn't get any better than that. As I sit shiver here for the loss of the third monkey, Michael Nesmith, leaving one monkey still alive. People don't realize 1967, the Monkees sold more albums on their own than the Beatles and the Rolling Stones did together. That's how big they were back then. And I'm hoping that Cousin Brucie tonight from 6 to 10 pays tribute to the uh, Monkees by spinning some of their stacks of wax. And definitely following him, Tony Orlando apparently will be rejoined by Dawn. This is incredible. I was wondering, where the hell did Dawn go? You don't want to miss it from 10 to 12 tonight. Anyway, let's go to, oh, we have somebody who claims that New York City is, in fact, the greatest city in the world. Barry, in Miller Place, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Barry. Hey, Curtis. Love your show. Very sorry that you didn't win. I'm, uh... Lifelong New Yorker. And what what this mayor is doing is killing me. This 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 mayor is is must be on Soros's payroll because he's doing everything that he could do to destroy the city. Now I hear that this guy who set the Christmas tree on fire is back walking around the plaza looking at the new Christmas tree. Yeah, but uh, we can't blame de Blasio for that. That's the state. No bail. That's uh, Cuomo. He's out. Uh, That's the state Senate. That's the uh, state assembly. That's uh, the Democrats who did that. Anyway, let's go to Irv calling from Oceanside. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Irv. Hey there, um Curtis, uh, I'm your old neighbor from uh, Canarsie, um, and uh, I love the city. I, that's past tense. Um, still miss it the way it used to be, the neighborhoods and Manhattan. 
Um, original Pizza Avenue L had the motto that you've repeated often. It was the best, not like the rest. Uh, but you said it just a, a few moments ago. The quality of life declined um, in many ways. Crime, traffic, parking. But the um, the uh, straw that broke the camel's back was had to do with uh, our children. Um, my daughter was accosted walking home from uh, junior high school in Canarsie. Did not want her going to high school uh, there. And uh, so I had an opportunity. Um, no, 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 Irv, I know. It's a story that's been told by so many like yourself who no longer live here who would have wanted to remain here. Uh, but I just want everyone to think uh, as we go into uh, the Christmas, uh, New Year's season, when everybody says, oh, New York City, the greatest city in the world. How are you ever going to get great again if you keep deluding yourself into believing that we are the greatest city in the world? We're not. Got a long ways to go. And part of the way of going is acknowledging what is as opposed to what you hope will be.